adventure. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. This is Let's Become a Beloved Society, Conversations Illuminating Our Path to Wholeness. I'm Linda Lamp, and I'm here with my co-host, Mary Ardania. Hi. Sorry for the late start. We had a little technical glitch right at the beginning. We both had to leave the studio and come back in. So here we are. So today's topic is... Uh, uh, and this was what I was trying to get on the screen when we had our difficulties. Uh, hello to whoever's out there. Uh, it just says Facebook user, but thank you for joining us. We're always happy to have participants. Yes. And this show really is supposed to be conversations. So if you have questions as we're sharing our thoughts and insights, please do chime in. We really do enjoy that. Um, today, we're going to talk about the difficulty of today's world with uh, the amount of hostility that seems to be showing up in, in our day-to-day -day lives. It's perhaps difficult for some of us to get through a day without somebody being snarky with us or unpleasant in some manner. And these things are stresses on us. Oh, it's Nanette. Welcome, Nanette. So glad to have you here. Thank you. I'm Hi, glad Nanette. you found us. Um, she and I were having a discussion earlier. She said, send me the link. And I was like, I'm getting ready. I don't have time to send it. <laughs> I'm glad and, she found us. And, and that's actually part of what contributes, I think, to a lot of the tension in day-to-day life nowadays is that things are moving so quickly. Things are moving. I was thinking about this earlier. You know, we used to get our mail and our news uh, from horses that ran around the country and delivered it. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I say that now and it's hard to say it with a straight face because it sounds so ludicrous in today's world when our news is popping up on our phones uh, in, in just about real time, depending on what the, the, the news is. Um, and so, so I wanted to dig into this and, um, and, and really have some time to talk about perhaps some coping skills when we're faced with um, the kind of, you know, uncomfortable interactions that we may have or the hostility we may run into in our day-to-day -day world. Mary, did you have anything you wanted to add? I know that you you uh, you interact with with the transit people and and that environment quite a bit. So, um, have yeah. you seen an uptick over the last few years? Honestly, I wouldn't say the last few years, I'd say the last few weeks or months. It's like, I notice a vast difference okay. just recently. And it's like the word that came to mind on Monday when I was going home was pressure cooker. It's like all these people jammed together in a pot and the pressure is building. And when is someone gonna have to blow off some steam? That's how it feels. And it feels like that in the world too, maybe to a lesser degree, but not that much lesser because I work in downtown, you know, where there's a lot of people out there. 
you know, waking up the trolley stop and there's homeless people, sadly, lots of them. And, you know, it's just like, I feel like there's a lot of hair trigger energy. It's like people are just waiting to um, go off. And Heather, I see commented right here. Right. She used to work with me and now she works in the public law library. So she has a lot of contact with the public. Right. And she so, says there's a big increase every day. And that's right. how I feel. It's right. like increasing exponentially. That's the word I couldn't think of the other day. It's right. like crazy. And the other thing is your comment that you made about horses running around the country just makes it so clear, like the rhythm you know, has changed and right. we have not changed right. enough to adjust right. to the rhythm of life. It's so far from that natural rhythm of horses running around the country. And right. it takes a few days for the news to get somewhere, you know, and we would have more time to sort of adjust to things. And now it's like, everything's happening at lightning speed. And, you know, our little housings here, you know, our housings are still little horse bodies, like right. even slower than horses. Right. So that's what right. struck me when you said that. Right. So take it away, Linda. <laughs> well, so, so there are a number of things that are contributing to uh, this pressure cooker. The overarching thing that includes everybody is that we have wandered far afield from our purpose and intentions in being here. And I believe what we're witnessing here is, uh, and this is supported through um, the astrological studies, um, what we're experiencing here and witnessing is an end of times and the birth of a new time. And it really, at this point, I believe, depends on where you're looking mm. as to what you're going to see. And totally if you, agree. If you, um, if you focus on how everything appears to be end of times you've got more than enough to fill your plate every day <laughs> with horrible stories uh, of, of everything that that represents. Yeah. But we've, I've been told past the tipping point. And so I believe that now the tipping point, a lot of people think, well, the tipping point is 51%. This is not that scale. This is a different scale that we're using. It's an energetic scale. It's not a weight scale. Gravity actually has little to anything to do with it. So this tipping scale is the scale of the number of people who have awoken to the idea and realization why we're here and what we're here to do. And that is, for those of you who have missed earlier broadcasts or are not aware, we are here to experience and create 
heaven on earth. And so we are at that tipping point or at the end of that pendulum swing where we are now coming back. So as many people as could forget have forgotten and now people are waking back up again or waking up for the first time or remembering again. It isn't so much of a waking up as it is a remembering. The, the gift that I have to share with others is that I remember the whole story. I remember the whole process. Linda never forgot. Right. I never Most forgot. Most of us forget. Linda right. never forgot. That's right. one of the special things about you. Thank you. Um, but that is my gift to mm -hmm. all of you is to help you remember where you came from, why you came here, what you're here to do. Because it's a very simple process once you remember. It makes it very clear. And you, and, and, and you have no difficulty navigating the rest of your life once you understand that the string that should be pulling you is the string from your heart. Right. Not your head, not your body. Right. Your heart and your gut are actually your most intelligence points. That is where your true intelligence lies, is in yep. your heart and in your gut. And that's another getting to my point of how we've been separated from our nature. That's part of it. You know, our whole western science mentality just took us into our heads and acted like nothing else mattered and that's how i lived decades of my life and i'm going to second what linda said here which is that once you understand like what she'll say you know we're here to create heaven on earth and how do you do that you do that by loving each other and trying to create a beautiful experience for everybody you come into contact with. And you can't always be perfect and we all have our bad days. But since the focus of my life has gone from what am I supposed to do for me? Like, who am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? My job, my people, blah, blah, blah. To in this moment in time, how can I best bring love to wherever I am? How can I best increase the love and the beauty and the wonder of this moment with those who I'm sharing it with? You know, and that, since that's the focus of my life, my life is a zillion times better to use a really technical scientific term. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. That, that, uh, that's a great sharing. It's, it's unfortunate that our parents and their parents and their parents before them all seem to have forgotten and never been told and not learned anywhere along the line. And I so mean, that is true. And to an extent, because I'm going to say here that you know, my parents did have a strong um, orientation towards helping people. 
And that is something that I got from them. So even when I had that other baggage, I still had as a value, if I can help someone, I help them. And right. I got right. that from my parents and I appreciate that. Right. At least they had that. Right. Where I think where things have sort of gotten lost is that so many people are carrying the wounds of most often it's childhood. There can be wounds that have happened in adulthood as well. But so many, 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 many of us, the larger percentage of all of us, have experienced trauma as children. Right. And because of the uh, kind of social norms that existed, these things were not talked about. They were not processed. We were not, as children, given the tools we needed to do our own self-care. And... Throughout history, children have been expected to be what their parents expected them to be, for the most part. It's a very different approach to child rearing to see that child as its own unique imprint of divinity and allow it to unfold as it wants to. You know, children are like flowers, each petal unfurling itself and revealing itself, their interests and their likes and their dislikes and their personalities. And quite often that process gets stifled by the adults around them. Yeah. Now, I'm going to use a term you're familiar with my use of, but maybe people watching and listening later are not. And it's a really key term. Hurt people hurt people. And the way our physiology works, the way our actually housing is wired to work, is that it is a protective mechanism. When we feel hurt the protective mechanism is to lash out and hurt someone else it's the way that we unwittingly go about being comforted we get comfort from that because then we're not alone and all of this process is an unconscious process it's not that you think, oh, I'm going to do this, and then you go do it. Although a truly wounded person does get to that point where they're they're consciously choosing to go be mean or harsh or nasty or whatever with another person. But initially, especially when we're younger, it it's all on uh, subconscious. And but so, I, also, I yeah. know you're talking about it's sort of a, a standard thing. And yet, you know, a lot of us don't have that programming or lost it really early because I was never 
I was never someone who wanted to hurt people, ever, really. It's one of the things I've noticed about myself. And I know that there are other people like that and even like animals, like I had a cat who was incredibly gentle and like never ever hissed or scratched or anything. So I think that that is a programming that many and maybe most people have. And a lot of us don't have it anymore. I think that that's part of the evolution of what's happening. So I'm saying this because if you're sitting there and you feel like you don't resonate with that at all, right? I don't either. I never right. like, I've never, as long as I've been alive, been able to say or do the most hurtful thing I could think of. And I know people do. So I just wanted to throw that out there for the people who might be listening, who some, are on a different state of evolution. Some people might argue that you just haven't ever been pushed that far. No. Um, but I could, I also can agree with you, Mary, that, I mean, this is not necessarily, it's not a behavior that I've uh, yeah. exhibited, no. but it's, uh, it's a behavior yeah. that's important to understand. Yes. If you're receiving hostility, if you're receiving anger, right. if you're receiving uh, difficult encounters with other people because of the way they're coming at you. Yeah. It, this is their pain yeah. on display. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yes. 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 Um, totally. Yes. And, and so the first thing that you can do as a tool to help interact is to have that in your mind that this person must really have had some significant pain in their lives in the past somewhere for them to treat me this way. Yeah. And that they don't know how to deal with that. Cause I think that's a really key part is that it's unprocessed. You know, it's, it's unprocessed. unprocessed so right. they don't know what to do with it. Right. So, right. right. It so, is hurt people who hurt people, but not all hurt people hurt people. I guess that's what to say, because people will push back on that. I've heard right, people push right. back on it. And it's like, right. it's not that all hurt people are acting out unconsciously, but well, the people who are acting out unconsciously are doing it because they're hurt. Right, right. And the hurt people who are hurting other people are probably hurting themselves. Yes. And so in one way the, the phrase still holds. Um it, it the holds hurt, anyway, but it just the hurt nuance. until it's processed. Yeah. Is is going to be there festering, doing yeah. something to someone, yeah. either the person holding it or the person expressing it one way yeah. or the other. Yeah. Absolutely. So for the people who have the hurt, and 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 who who can uh, possibly you know do resonate with what I'm saying, who can identify with what I'm saying, okay. this is the first step to healing: is to be able to identify that your anger that you feel when you're walking around feeling anger and, and wanting to lash out at people 
that it's not out there that needs fixing. Yeah. You know, we, we tend to, and I know many people that go through their life with basically their finger pointed this way, you know, and everything is somebody else's fault. When in fact, we need to turn it around. There's a saying, when you have your finger pointed that way, there's three that are pointed back this way. And that's the thing, is that whenever we see something out there that bothers us, that triggers us, that upsets us, that's a road marker for something in here that's asking for attention. Yes. That's crying out for healing. So, go ahead. More to say on that? Yes, and that's why... Whenever I feel triggered, the first thing I do is I go inward to see what's happening for me. Because right. it's not about what just happened to trigger me, unless someone is being deliberately hurtful. And if it's someone who I think will do that over and over again, I might have a conversation with them. But ultimately what it's about is what is what button is being pushed for me and how do I process process my pain, right? It's all about my unprocessed pain. And you have used the phrase trapped tears with me before. And you know, when I look at my anger, what's under there? Sadness, pain, you know, it's like, so yeah, that's where the work is. It's the work is always processing our emotions, no matter what we think it is. Right, right. Sucks, but it's true. <laughs> and and we experience a fair amount of disappointment in our lives. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that and that disappointment can be hurtful. If we if we oh yeah, you know, dreamed of a, a different kind of life and yet we never seem to achieve or get that life. And we're we're then we're surrounded pretty much daily with this sense of disappointment. Mm-hmm. I can like second, third, and fourth that my life is nothing like what I expected, thought it would be. Everything I ever expected, I do be have accomplish. None of it, nothing. <laughs> and finding how to be okay in this life with all of that disappointment was its own journey and ultimately in the end it's what i said before it's what you say linda and what neil donald walsh has said in books we've read together my life is not about me it's not about me having the job i want or the car i want or the spouse i dreamt of or some kind of awesome career where i write books and people look up to me you know And I make a ton of money and have a house on the beach. My life is about how I contribute to other people's lives and how do people feel after an interaction with me? And how do I feel when I'm interacting with other humans? And am I giving them, you know, my best self as much as I can? Right. And for example, (laughs) uh, perhaps... Had you had that other life, 
you wouldn't have been able to impact somebody that you've impacted in this life. Right. And perhaps that person goes on to in some way impact millions in a positive way. Hmm. You know, so we don't know. That's the thing. It's looking at that tapestry, right? Yeah. We don't yeah. know. We can't see the full picture. Yeah. Uh, and and so, you know, it, it's it's that balance of, of uh, we don't want to be pressed right up against the rug so we can't see anything except the dirt and the grime and the threads. But we can't get far enough back to be able to see the whole picture because and it's not for us to know. And thank you so. for reminding me of that because that's really what I cling to on the hard days is that I have no idea how I have impacted people. Right. And I know that I have. And part of it, like I had this thing happen because I used to teach laughter yoga classes. And there was a woman who came to my class exactly once because she mostly lived in Mexico. But she was up here. She came to my class. And she loved it. And she never came back, which happened a lot and could be a little disappointing, to use that word. Right. And then I saw her months later, I'm walking down the street and this lady says, Mary, hi. And I'm like, you know, do I know you? She's like, I came to your laughter yoga class that time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember. She said, I do it every day. It's like it changed her life. Right. But I would never have known that. Right. Except that the universe thought maybe I needed a little faith. Right. So it showed me, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. It. it it's amazing. We don't know the impact we do not know. In, in today's world with social media. I just happened to go. Uh, uh, I've I've done a lot of the readings of Course of Miracles, and I did the three hundred and sixty the three sixty five daily readings. And someone asked me a question about them on YouTube. One of them on YouTube the other day, and when I went, there were thirty four people that had seen that reading that I'd done. And I had no idea. Um, that doesn't seem like a lot to some people, but for me and that material, that surprised me. So we never, we don't know the impact no, we that we have. I want to take a, a second and, and loop back. There's a comment that came in from Nanette when you were talking about uh, how hurt people don't always lash out and hurt other people, which is definitely true. Um, Nanette says, ditto Mary, because I've not hurt people purposely and it's because of my past. My parents were good people. I've been hurt by cruel kids when I was a kid, but it's never made me feel like deliberately hurting others. Um, and, and, uh, I just want to reiterate that I agree. I agree. There's a lot of people that have hurt that don't express their hurt outwardly, um, not consciously, but it may show up in other ways. You know, it, it may surface in other ways because again, it's really a part of the wiring and um, it does take a, a fair amount of focus to uh, to not fall into that trap. Um, 
some of you have heard me tell the story of the um, the guy that came up behind me in the in the vehicle speeding, and um, and then wouldn't pass me even though we were we had passing capability. He didn't pass me, and so I ended up pulling off because he was really riding. I mean, he truly taking the term riding my bumper uh, literally. Everybody say hi to Ziggy. He's a little restless today for some reason. Um, usually he just sleeps in my lap, but right now he's he's being a little active in my lap. Um, and as the guy passed me, so I pulled over and I ended up stopping completely. I usually would would just slowly pull over and then pull back and 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 proceed on my way. But I was overcome with this feeling of uh, anger and rage. It was really rage is what washed over me. And my wired response, my housing's response to that wave of rage was to want to pull back out behind him and ride on his tail and put my high beams on and be a real pain on his butt for a while. I, I didn't do that. But if I had some unprocessed hurt in myself, I very well might have, right? It, that's the mechanism. That's how it works. I'm able to differentiate between these impulses that I feel come over me that are not in my character, not a part of my nature, and, and I can separate myself. But a lot of people, even good people, can find themselves in situations like that where they become triggered unknowingly, unwittingly. Um, and so it's, I, I think it's a worthy thing to be, to be aware of. Yeah, and definitely being conscious of, you know, our body and our reactions and our triggers and being able to make a space between the moment of the feeling and the moment we take action. I mean, for a lot of people, there's not that moment where they can take a pause and say, whoa, you know, people just react so fast. That's the problem with everything speeding up how it is. You know, and there's so much, there's so much, there's just so much. And it can be quite overwhelming. And then people don't have the capacity to take a moment and say, you know, I mean, you knew that was not yours. You know, is this mine? Is this, even if it is mine, is that who I want to be? You know? Hmm. I mostly just want to take a nap. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, Mary, good point. Good point. So I have Nanette here on, on the phone. I'm going to put her on speakerphone. Nanette, make sure you've muted the um, feed behind you on your computer so that um, we don't get feedback. But here you are. And go ahead and um, make your comment. Okay. Oh, well, I muted it. Let me just try something else here. It's just 
This is too. It's too hard. <laughs> <laughs> the technology is challenging. There's no. Uh, I don't. I don't. I muted the sound. The technology is challenging. There's no. Uh, I don't. I don't. You you muted it uh, on your laptop. She but okay. she muted her. There. Yeah, so there you go. Still saying you. Yeah. Okay. So, in a nutshell, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, well, I've had to have been cruel to somebody, <laughs> you know. And um, when uh, this is about twelve years ago, and um, very dear friend of mine her daughter were spending the night with my daughter and she got out to dinner with her boyfriend where she's her husband and they were going to decide whether they were staying together or not well at six the next morning the phone rang and it was the uh, sheriff's department and uh her husband my friend's husband left her for dead after beating her to a pulp. And I was, I was angry for a lot of things. I had to tell a little girl about her mom. I was angry about that. Not that anybody else should have. But I had to tell her her mom was in the hospital and that she couldn't go see her. I went to the hospital and saw her and she looked like a Cro-Magnum woman. I didn't think she was going to live, but she did make it. And I had been in the house where part of this torturous event had taken place and there was blood everywhere. And while my friend was still recuperating, I went into her house. I, the police were there because it was a crime scene. And they said, well, we've done everything we really need to do, but we don't want anybody in the house so that the perpetrator can't get back in. I said, well, it'll only take me about an hour. I need to get clothes for this girl and take care of some other things. And the part I left out is before I left, I printed up a sheet of paper that said something about you're, you are an abusive man. And I cut them all up into little pieces. And I spent an hour sticking them in pockets of his clothing, putting them in the books he had read, I put them everywhere and I didn't find the, the least wrong thing with my behavior. And I bet you, I did like 600 of these notes. I was, I was like on fire. I just didn't know what to do with my anger. So I confess I did something to hurt somebody. That's a great share. Nanette. really. Thank you so much You're because it's a beautiful example of it can be subtle, 
right? It doesn't have to be outward. It isn't always outward. Sometimes it's very quiet. That was a very quiet way to go about hurting somebody and and releasing the hurt that you were feeling. Yeah, it's like, that's the thing. It's releasing that hurt that you were feeling. And yes, I'm sure it was hurtful to this person. And also, it's not like you went out and beat someone up or something, you know? Right. To me, it's like a constructive use of the energy because even though it might have hurt that person and I'm sorry guy but um to me it feels like a more constructive use because you know maybe it will make him reflect on how he behaved maybe not but like as far as acting out your hurt energy it's a fairly low impact choice Right. Like when we can choose lower impact, to me, that's what I see. Even though you were acting out of your anger, right. it was, you know. It was a degrees. fairly passive. It was a yes. fairly passive. Yes. Uh, you might call it, you know, a passive aggressive uh, yeah. form of, yeah. of expression. Yeah. But, yeah. you know... But yes, it's still absolutely what you're talking about. Ten years. You say that again. I said my goal was kind of mean, quote unquote, um, because I really hoped he opened up those things. Yeah. He was going to go to jail for like twelve years, and he he went for like ten. Uh huh. And um, I hoped that he would open those little things from now till the day he died. Yeah, yeah. That's how angry I was. Yeah. And the only regret I ever have was I, I, I'm not even going to go there. I'm finished. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Nanette. You bet. All right. Thanks. Bye. I'll see you later. Okay. Bye. Yes, thank you to Nanette for that share because that's that's very um, was very yeah. brave of her to be honest and open yeah. and and to do that searching to realize that oh there is a time yeah um, and and I think if we're all honest with ourselves and we're willing to look we'll find times uh, maybe it's not directed to another person maybe we. Uh, as in the Nets case, it wasn't face to face with that person. This was something subtle she did on the side, and those kinds of things uh, uh, can can be, I think, very emotionally fulfilling to the person who's needing feeling the need to do them. Um, so here's something. This is what I used to do when I was a kid. I, uh, I, I lived with my mother and, uh, my legal father, but he was not my genetic father. And my mother in her, you know, lovely wisdom decided she, this is something I should know. So she had told me this, uh, when I was, she started telling me these stories when I was about five. And when I was 
between seven and nine, we lived uh, in a town in rural New York. And uh, my mother still functioned well enough to actually make dinner most nights. And it was my job to set the table. And I had been trained how to set a table the way you would set a table at the White House. So I knew where all the silverware went. I went. I knew where the bread plate went and the, all the stuff, right? Not that we were always fancy and had multiple kinds of forks and spoons and all of that. But I certainly knew that the forks got set with the tines up. And I knew which way the knives edge should be pointing. I knew which way the spoon should be set. And what I would do when I set my dad's plate is I would set the forks upside down. I would put the spoon in the wrong place. This was very subtle, hurt people, hurt people behavior. Uh -huh. But it was how I reacted, how I responded to this person that wasn't really mine, but was here. And, and my anger wasn't even really with him, really wasn't about that. Yes. It was that he couldn't do anything to control my mother. Right. And I was still too young to understand that that's a dynamic that just doesn't exist. You can't control other people. Um, but at the time, that was how I expressed my hurt, was to not set the table right at his place setting. Right. Was fine. You know, Even right. though really... It would have made more sense to do that to your mother, who's sharing inappropriately. But you don't even know that at that age. Exactly. The other thing I wanted to say is as far as hurting not outward. I mean, sometimes we hurt ourselves when we're trying when we're not hurting right. other people. Right. And that's an important aspect to acknowledge, you know. Right. right. I was much more likely most of the time to hurt myself. And frankly, I was the youngest of six children. Maybe I didn't lash out because I knew it wouldn't get me anywhere. Everybody was Or there were five others that would lash back. <laughs> yeah, you know, everyone's bigger and stronger. And like, you know, what can I do? Right. So that's an important aspect to acknowledge as well. Right. right. I want to go back to the term you used of pressure cooker earlier. Um because I think that that's really what's influencing a lot of the people that Heather's interacting with and that you're interacting with, like on the trolley, this, this uh, squeeze that we're in. And I felt it uh, not long ago. I'll share this little experience with you. I got a, I got a new uh, phone. I upgraded a cell phone. Now, in most places in the world, this is an easy thing to do. In Alaska, it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, just getting it to get shipped to you, be because we don't have mail delivery most places. It, you go to a post office to get your stuff. Um, but things like these phones, they don't ship them through the mail. So that creates this ridiculous problem because in the town I live in, Seward, for some reason, AT&T's UPS database doesn't have Seward. Or if it does, it, I don't know what address it has because every legitimate address I've ever tried to put in for a delivery, it won't take it. 
So you have to get on the phone. Then you have to get to somebody who can override it. The last time I went through this, I got to somebody and they couldn't even override it. And I ended up having to have the phone shipped to my vet's office because I was going to be there around that day. Which, <laughs> that vet's office is 90 miles away, by the way. That's they crazy. weren't too happy with me when I did that. So this time I found somebody who could actually override it and the phone would actually come. So the phone comes. Well, the phone has two phone lines on it. And, you know, now they're very fancy. You just hold them next to each other and they talk to each other and they do their thing. And there, now your phone's working. But it said, no, I, I don't like that other line. I'm not going to install it. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> I end up calling. I'm on the phone for half an hour before I get to somebody who's going to transfer me to somebody who can actually figure out why the second line isn't working. And then, of course, I get disconnected. So I try again the next day, only I neglect to remember that I don't think I'll ever forget this now. But uh, the AT&T business support people only work from 8 to 5 Eastern time. That's it. So if you call outside that window, the automated attendant is not smart. It doesn't say, oh, you've called outside of business hours, call back, blah, blah. No, it tries to take you somewhere. And it does. It, sh it sends you off to somebody. I spend another, I finally get to somebody. I spend another half an hour on the phone with them. And then they're like, well, I can't verify this account. I can't verify this account. And I'm like, you know, I don't understand it because when I called in on the business line, it has you verify the account before it even connects you to somebody. And so why can't you? And she goes, a business account? Like, I, I've been speaking to this person for all this time and I'm in the wrong place. I'm like, she can't even, she can't even help me. And then she tries and of course all of those places are closed and so by the time she comes back I had about 45 minutes the one day I had a half an hour earlier that day and then this call had taken about an hour so she comes back on the phone and she says I'm really sorry to tell you this but they're closed and these words came out of my mouth without any consciousness on my part. I said, my body spoke, and my body said, give me a rope and hang me now. And she said, excuse me? <laughs> and I, I was like, I'm sorry. That, that was just, you know, my frustration talking. I, I've got like two and a half hours invested in this process. And and now I, it's all wasted and I have to call again tomorrow. In the end, I didn't call again. I woke up the next morning with the realization that maybe if I just take the SIM card out of the old phone and put it in the new phone, it'll work. And that did solve my problem. But talk about pressure cooker. This is what's contributing to that is the, the, the absolute craziness of what we're expected to put up with, right?
I'm having some heart issues and I have this cardiologist that ordered up all these tests. And then in my portal, there's a place for medical documents, but the results of only one of those tests is in that portal. And you know why? Because the, uh, this is my personal opinion, the other tests don't support the diagnostic that he gave me. So he gave me a diagnosis, put me on a bunch of pills, just about killed me. And none of those documents actually support the, none of the labs that I've had support that treatment. And to me, there are no coincidences. This is something that we learn somewhere along in our lives. There are no coincidences. Everything is energy and everything has its time and place. And everything is as it needs to be in the tapestry for us to get where we're going. And so there are reason, there's a reason for this. And that's my assumed reason at this point until somebody proves me wrong. Um, and I'm going to hunt those documents down, but um, that frustration, right? That, that I'm entitled to them. They contradict what this guy's telling me. He's telling me take pills. And yet, you know, that none of the labs are supportive of that. It's frustrating. And we have those things happening every day. Now, Heather says, there are these customers that I get in my public library every day. Everyone sends these poor people everywhere to get legal help and no one helps them. Then they come to our library frustrated and defeated. It's hard to meet them for their needs. I feel for them. I do, but we can't always help them. I get compassion fatigue over time. I do my best. Yes, exactly. This is why so many people have gotten out of service industry jobs at this point. Because, you know, you know, Heather, I second all of that. And we send people to each other. I send people to her when I can't help them. She is able to send a few people to me for help. But compassion fatigue is real. And I've been at this job four years. And if resources are fewer than they were when I started, which there weren't that many to begin with, you know, and the pandemic has not made it any better. Anyway, it's, and, it's and, there are so few resources for people right. who need them. And right. it's not just with legal assistance, which is what the field she and I both work in. It's right. all kinds of resources. And right. extrapolate out that these people are probably also a lot of them having to jump through hoops for other resources in life. Bottom line is if there is any help, there's a hoop to jump through. Right. And, you know, people are exhausted. Right. Yeah, I saw there's a Facebook meme going around, you know, January was a long year, but we got through it, you know. Um so I want to try and turn this to an up note for a minute because we've got about five minutes left. Yes. And, and I want to come back to the idea that we are at the end, right? This is the last squeeze of the toothpaste. It, 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 this last <sighs> is going to come out and, and, and that's it. And the shift is coming. The shift is happening. And yeah, hearts hearts are opening up and yes. hearts are cracking and and 
love is beginning to flow. It the the sad thing about it is it's going to take some time. We didn't yeah. get here overnight. And so no. it's going to take quite a while to get yes. us shifted around. This is like, think about trying to, you know, maneuver a huge cruise ship out in the ocean, you know, that was headed one way. And now we're going to turn it around. We're going to head it somewhere else. That doesn't and, happen quickly. No. And I have a different image that came to my mind while you were talking, a train hurtling down these tracks. And it's not easy. It's even harder than in an ocean because you've right. got to find like a switching station. Right. You know, and the momentum and everything. It is, I really just want to say that I really feel like spring, things, you know, things are shifting already. And I do feel it. And I think that there will be some momentum working up like in the spring, Right. I think we'll really right. start to and do that's supported astrologically. Bit. It's supported yeah. astrologically. And um, it's still gonna take some time. And we need to be looking at the long, the long game. And what you said at the beginning of the call, Linda, is so important. And we need to be focusing on the changes right. that we want to birth. Right. Right. And let the dying donkey kick somebody else in the head, to right. use your metaphor. Right. right. Because there's a lot of kicking and birthing things tends to be painful. Yes. And a lengthy process. Sometimes yes. it's kind of bloody. <laughs> yes. Not yes. to be discouraging, but just like as we are feeling, you know, the grit. Right. The grit in our hands and knees as we're right. crawling along. Right. You know, that's not a bad thing. Right. It's it's just the process. Right. And let, let me just add, um, because you said bloody and, and that sort of reminded me of just in the last week, uh, how many, you know, shootings there have oh. been. And I it you know, the world is 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 at that pivot place. Right. So we're going to see this more and more as as we end this era. People use the word evil. And I want to just remind the listeners and the viewers that evil does not exist. It is not a thing. The only thing that exists ultimately in this world is divine love. It is what created everything, us and everything else. And it is merely the lack of it in expression that has the appearance of the evil or the devil or, you know, all of this, the, these things that tend to come from religious terms. Um, but they're excuses. They're a part of a myth, a mythology that actually doesn't exist. A mythology that in many ways is designed to control us and yes. keep us in our places. Yes. And so um, when you hear people like Jim Jordan passing off these mass killings as evil, and we can't legislate evil. 
No, you can't, but you can legislate love. Yes. And to add to that, as evil backwards is live or live. Right. And so if you think of that energy of evil as it's the life force energy thwarted and distorted, that's what it is. It's like it's, it's upside down and backwards. But nothing exists outside of what you call divine love. And, you know, which to me and to you, I know, is that's that is the constituent force of life. Right. It's all love the energy right. that we are made from and part of. Right. And so evil yeah. is hurt people hurting, hurting people. people. It's just the twisted energy. So that's what it is. Yeah. And nobody really is. I mean, okay, you could say Hitler or whatever, but let's leave Hitler out of the conversation. One of the things I like about the Tao Te Ching is one of the things he says about why we shouldn't judge people and this is my words not the beautiful words of that book that i don't have memorized but it's like it's actually from a footnote to one of my many versions which is that anybody can change in any moment so your behavior up until this moment might have been the worst ever but in the next moment you can make a different choice right. and that's why this concept of evil people doesn't exist in that book exactly because you know we're all it's all process we yeah. are all in process yes you know yes well it's uh, a minute past the hour and so uh, uh i'm actually a, a minute late for another podcast not not a live one but just a test so i'm going to bid you all adieu Thank you so much. Love you all. And uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for contributing. Nanette, thank you for calling in. I love it. And yeah, uh, and, and that great share. Comments as well. And uh, great comments. Thank you. And uh, we will see you next Friday. Next Friday. Love next you all. Friday. Love you all. That would be, I believe, February 10th. This is the third, right? Yeah. I think so. All right. See you all then. Until then, namaste and much love.